Well, hello and welcome to The Dinner Table. My name is Joe Hilliard. Of course, with me sitting alongside, or do you sit across from me at The Dinner Table? It's... Aislinn Campbell. So I came home so we could record and I found you, I guess what, wheeling and dealing? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I came from the farm where I spent the day harvesting figs. And so I brought 10 pounds in for our friend that does the Dagon produce. You guys Mm, Yeah, we talk about that all the time. Yeah, we give the Dagon produce basket away every once in a while. Well, today when he delivers his baskets to everyone, people will receive figs that I harvested from Freedom Harvest Farms. So you caught me wheeling and dealing and making a little money with some figs that I had harvested. And it was fun. I know we're going to talk about this some more, but I just have to say that I literally felt like a little kid. Do you remember when we went to San Diego? Yeah, of course. So in the San Diego Zoo, they have planted fig trees because the monkeys eat figs out of the fig trees. I was climbing the tree, as you would imagine, in the jungles, the little kids climbing up the tree to harvest figs figs because the figs were like candy. And I'm there in the tree. So straight from your farm directly into someone's kitchen tomorrow Yes. That's awesome. I know. And I took some cash home. I got some money. Very nice. I pay the bills. I pay the bills. Right. Part of going out to the farm is the trading of things. And when I come back from the farm, I bring with me drum because my mom was like, Joe needs to have some drum. And my brother catches fish. And so I brought some drum home today as well. My son returned from Florida, quarantined himself until he got corona tested. Negative. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. But clearly he did some fishing in Tampa. Yeah, he got all excited about fishing. So he came home and he said, Dad, I want to buy a fishing kit. I love it. I do too. I mean, if you think about us, we're sitting here saying you need to find a hobby. You need to find something to do with your time. You can't sit around the house all day and drink alcohol and watch the TV screen. Huh? And sit sit in front of the computer and yell at people on Facebook, TikToking or whatever you do. And so we've been suggesting, you know, going on hikes or gardening or, you know, whatever. You can socially distance outside a lot easier than going into some kind of crazy restaurant or bar. And the idea that they've shut down the beaches is so ass backwards to me. You think? I'm sorry. That's what's happening here locally. It's so stupid. Fine. Change the rules. You can only be so far away from each other if you're here to fish or surf. You know, if you have an activity that you're doing. I mean, if if we're going to regulate the shit out of people, then regulate it right. You know what? That's half the battle I have with this crap. Because people need to be able to go out and fish for food. It, It is weird to have a message of wellness by eliminating natural resources. Nature is easily a function of total wellness. And fine. Okay. You don't want the big old spring break party type thing going on. Well, that's what they're on. doing. Is they're only closing it for July 4th weekend because our area receives a lot of tourists, which is going to be a lot of across the Listen, state transmission. There's a lot of freaking beach and people can spread out. I mean, shit, they drive down the beach and make people pay for beach parking passes. Why can't they drive down the beach and go, sorry, you're too close. You need to go move. You need to move further down the beach. Yeah, and it would be even better if they had like Baywatch people doing it. (laughs) Right. Here comes Pamela's boobs. (laughs) So, you know what? That leads me right into all the unanswered questions. Unanswered questions. Our first unanswered question comes from the table topics that we did last week. What would you do if you saw a dog locked in a hot car? So I went straight to the Humane Society's website 
And these are the three steps you take. Number one, take down the car's make, model, and license plate number. Have that information. You may need it in the future. Ah. Number two, if there's businesses nearby, what you did when you told your story last week, Mm -hmm. notify their managers or security guards and ask them to make an announcement to find the car's owner. Many people are unaware of the danger of leaving pets in hot cars and will quickly return to their vehicle once they are alerted to the situation. So that's giving people the benefit of the doubt that they're just too ignorant to know how to take care of other species of beings. How are you a dog owner and not (laughs) realizing that leaving your pet in the hot car is... I cracked the window an inch. If the owner can't be found, call the non-emergency number of the local police or animal control and wait by the car for them to arrive. And this is interesting. In several states, Texas is not one of them. Samaritans can legally remove animals from cars under certain circumstances, i.e. break the window. You you would have gotten in trouble because you live in Texas. So know the laws in your area and follow any steps required. That makes perfect sense. But I have an unanswered question for you. It seems like you have a lot of unanswered questions for me. (laughs) I would say a lot of stupid things that don't make any sense and you have to think about it and then you have to go back and go, I need to ask her about that. (laughs) Well, one person's stupid thing is another person's smart thing. It's just a matter of perspective. Surely. I listened to last week's episode and I re-listened to the Magical Mystery Tour segment. Mm -hmm. The 25-minute diatribe. I have one question (laughs) for you. Did you leave anything out or did you not say anything that you might have intended on saying or did you listen and think... Seriously, much, much, much too much. (laughs) The whole time I was listening, I was like, I should have said this. I never said that. Like one of the things I never like specifically mentioned was law of attraction. I talk about manifestation, but I don't talk about law of attraction. So that helps for people that understand what law of attraction is. And you get into the flow and alignment Mm -hmm. with the universe. And then you attract all of the things you desire. That being said, I did mention when we started talking about the podcast that I think that we need to do a better job making it easier on not only our conversation and how we connect with the broader community, but also making it easier on you to edit. And that is to get into the flow. We need to get into the flow. We need to set some intentions for what our desires for the podcast are. And that led to a really fun conversation. Well, the podcast is a show and there's a backstage to every show. Yeah. So the 45, I think, minute episode that we produced last week Mm -hmm. came from an hour and 40 minutes of raw footage. That's a long dinner table talk. Yeah. And a lot of that was the magical mystery tour portion because you just kind of got into the flow. I think you're a fantastic editor, by the way. Well, thank you. Like, I think that you should follow me around and edit me everywhere I go. (laughs) I think I've done that. I think I did that through a mayoral campaign. (laughs) I did. (laughs) Only with my approval, though. I get to. Approve the edits. (laughs) You should see when he edits a speech for me or when he's writing a speech for me and he goes to start editing the speech and then I get so mad at you because I'm like, that's not what I would have said. I would have never said that. (laughs) I'm going to bleep out the F words, but I'm preparing you for one. How come you just don't know the words that I intend on saying to begin with? Don't you know my brain? Yeah. (laughs) I got a glimpse at it once. It scared me to death. (laughs) That's the story of Aislinn Campbell and the projects that Aislinn Campbell leads. If everyone could just see inside my brain to understand the creative power of what's going on up here, it would be so much easier for everyone else. You you need a hinge on the back of your head so we can just (laughs) lift it up like a treasure box and look inside and go, oh. That's what she means. She meant to talk about law of attraction. (laughs) 
But you're right. We were out on our side courtyard, one of the parts of our house that doesn't get quite as much video footage on some of your other projects around social media, talking about our backyard and the homesteading and chickening and gardening that we do. A little more private. So a lot of adult stuff happens over there, I guess. Oh, God. What I mean by that, you pervert, is that it's small. It's right outside our bedroom window. It's right outside our bedroom door. (laughs) And there's two chairs because there's not room for four chairs. So we can't have kids out there. There's no space. Yeah. So you and I adulting out there a little Mm -hmm. bit. And we did talk about intention and we did talk about the podcast. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, we're eight episodes away from a full year, which means it's really time to start thinking about what have we done for the past year? Has it been working? And do we want to continue to do it? Have you listened to episode one or two recently? Do you ever go back and listen to those first eight episodes where we didn't know what the hell we were doing? I haven't in a really long time. It is a completely different experience. Right. Yeah. And it's fun to keep them up. We would never take them down, but it's fun to go back. Well, I've been, you know, I've fallen in love with a homestead vlogger. I binge watch every single thing they do. Who who is that? It's the Elliot Homestead. Uh Uh-huh. Well, one of my favorite things about this particular vlog is that you can see their development and you can see how they've evolved and you can see how they get into the flow. And I think that's kind of where we started talking about it yesterday when we were talking about the intentions and setting the intentions. Because as a person that pays attention to YouTube channels and podcasts, I like... Especially on the topics that you like. Right. I like to work with my headphones on or with my phone playing and I can listen to YouTube podcasts, video type things. I can listen to audible books and I'm looking for something to kind of fill my time and keep my mind engaged. And what I have found is that if there's a lot of and anxiety, then I tend to turn it off even if I completely love the subject matter. Exactly. And so what I've seen... You're talking about like what tone of voice... uh, Yeah, yeah. mm -hmm. Tone tone of voice, um, how easily do the things that you want to say come out of you, you know? If you get into the flow of the Magic Mystery Tour and you want to start telling people about that in the podcast, then it's really easy to talk about it. It's not something that I'm like trying to force out of myself to get you to hear the story. Or hit a bulleted list. Right, right. And you can see how they've evolved. And so I like that you have the ability to go back and listen to some of the initial episodes mm-hmm. of their vlog. Oh, sure. And that know? was that was the point I was yeah. trying to make. There has certainly been an evolution here. Mm-hmm. What improvements would you make? Yeah, just being calm, like calmer. Because here's the thing. I, are you talking I, about I, me or are you talking about you? No, I'm talking about me. Okay. So as it relates to me, I love talking about me, as everyone has already figured out. <laughs> but I'm very passionate If you ask anyone who's ever been in a room with me or listened to a podcast, those of you that are listening to the podcast, or if you've seen any of my YouTube videos or your response will be, gosh, she's so passionate. And I am. But I think when I was talking a few weeks back about that sensory overload and the sensory vibration and all of that kind of stuff, that sometimes my passion can come across grating mm -hmm. and like too loud Mm -hmm. and too much. You know, how do I get myself into the flow and set the intentions before I sit down to do the podcast to kind of dial it back just a little bit? It's still the same passion. It's still the same love, but it's putting it out there in a way that is soothing to people and it makes people want to engage more with us, with me. And so that's my own criticism of myself. I think that you had some criticisms of kind of some of the the ways that you interact with the podcast. Yeah, for me, it is to speak in a conversational tone that we'd have at the dinner table. 
as opposed to a performance tone because there's a microphone in front of my face. The car salesman, Joe. Hi, I'm Joe, and I'm going to sell you a Jeep Wrangler. It's that thing. Do it, do it, do it, do it. You're so good at it. Just do it. Okay, so at the top of the episode, right, it's my turn to to come in and say hello. Hello and welcome to Dinner Table Talks with me, Joe Hilliard, and, you know. And then I'm over here like, hey, I'm Aislinn. You know, like super calm about it. You're like, hey, this is Joe Hilliard, and I'm here to like launch off this amazing radio podcast. So I'm going to be intentional about that. And part of the intention is me being a little bit more prepared when I come, because you truly do all the work for this podcast. I show up. I sit down, I tell stories, I talk the whole time, you segue me, <laughs> you move me along, you add your opinion into it. It's me coming to the table a little bit more. Pro- I mean, you do all the research for the unanswered questions, you edit the pot, you produce the podcast. You are the podcast's producer, if we if we have to be honest with this. Someday we're going to have a producer, like an editor and a yes. producer. Oh, <sighs> boy, we both just show up <laughs> yeah. and bring this magic to the table. <laughs> yeah. we, were exactly. out the, we were out in the courtyard last night having this very conversation intention improvement yeah the next 52 episodes yes i'm kind of excited about that i can't believe i told jessica my best friend the other day i was like you do know we've been doing a podcast for like nearly a year and she's like yeah i just don't know how to listen to podcasts and i'm like okay but you need to listen like here's how you listen but the idea that we're coming up on a year we've been doing this for a year that's good for us man we're kicking ass here so we're sitting outside talking about this podcast and all of a sudden my phone talks to me yeah it was it, it's listening and we didn't alert it and tell it to listen i must have said the o-k-g-o-o-g-l-e i must have said some version i don't think of so that. i don't i really don't okay so what happens is if you say that your android phone will how can i help you you know mm-hmm, so. i need to look up a fact i need to find a map to the restaurant whatever it is this is what it heard for we getting to the floor that moment we've come to a point when we say it is time to put on a show (laughs) so how do we want to use where we are with the intention (laughs) we're getting to the show (laughs) no that's clearly we're talking in fragmented sentences outside that don't make any sense if someone were to hear them and then google said to me here's a here's something i found on google trapped (laughs) oh shit Whatever they did, I'm a believer, says T.I. I used to not give a f***, but I'm scared of the police. Oh, now, God. I don't know what Google heard. I don't know what Google was trying wow. to tell me. The police didn't raid the house shortly thereafter <laughs> or anything useful. I had no idea it said those How words. do you feel? We've got A-L-E-X-A in our kitchen. Uh-huh. We both have Android phones, oh, yeah. so we both have uh-huh. that stuff. How, how do you generally uh, feel about Cortana the... I have Cortana on one laptop, and we have... Uh, Corona on the other laptop, whatever this is. It's not Corona. That laptop's on quarantine. Corona. It's something like it's Corona. Whichever one that company uses. (laughs) Cora. But they're all listening. They're all all tools in our lives. They're valuable tools. I love being in any kind of conversation. I don't know the square root of some big number. Okay, Google, what's the square root of 9,042? Square root of 9,042 is approximately 95.089. That's a valuable tool. On but my way f- driving back so that I could know how much to charge for my figs, I'm literally driving along in my car and I say, okay, Google, what is the cost of a pound of figs? According to USDA Earth, among the 25 different types of fresh fruit, prices range from 32 cents per pound for watermelon to $3.94 per pound for blackberries, with a weighted average price of 71 cents per pound and a median price of 97 cents. Fig. 
But how do you feel generally about the listening? You did not want me to bring Alexa into the house. I got it for a Christmas present. I, I set it up and now it's a valuable for, tool that yeah, I use every day. I, I didn't want to at first, but it is what it is. I mean, here we are in the new world order <laughs> where we have no clue what's coming. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to stay focused on this minute right now. And in this minute right now, those devices are very helpful and I appreciate them. And so I'm going to stay focused on that. Until they transform and kill us in the middle of the night. But I'm not going to worry about that right now. <laughs> like when it comes back to the conversation that we've been having about my anxiety and all that stuff that's been going on with the sensory overload and ugh, everybody's all stressed out about whatever, I have officially, officially decided that I have to stay in the present moment and I have to focus on what's going on around me right now. That's too officially. It's got to happen because I cannot solve tomorrow. I asked you the other day. What do you know is going to happen in two years? Right. And ultimately, I was leading you to, you do not know what's going to happen in two years. Well, you certainly didn't know January 2020 that July 1st, 2020 would look the way that it did. Exactly. So the best thing I can do, and this is just general health for everyone, is to focus on exactly what's happening right in this moment. And what's happening right in this moment is I am living a fantastic life where I come home, you come home a little early from work, and you say, you know, I've gotten home a little early. I'd like to make something really nice for dinner tonight. I don't have an agenda. Sometimes in the kitchen, I just don't want to do a big thing. Mm -hmm. But there was something about the other night. I feel like cooking. I don't care how long it takes. Let's do something fun. Yeah. And I said, well, I've got a lot of okra, pounds and pounds of okra. And then I said, after a long pause... I've always intended on making gumbo. And I said, yes. No, you said, I like gumbo. I like gumbo. Well, and, and I've been wanting you through the, the sauce challenge thing that you've been doing. Gumbo has yeah. been one of the things on my list that I want you to do, right. that I've wanted you to do. Well, gumbo starts with guess what? A roux. You're talking about the five mother sauce challenge. We only have one sauce left. If you go back over the course of the last 10 or so episodes. Yeah. You can hear us going through the five mother sauces that make all sauces. And we had already done an espinol sauce, which is the roux plus a light colored broth, chicken or fish. But that's what this base is for your gumbo. Oh, so you put the roux? See, I guess I don't understand because roux is dark. Roux can be dark. But roux's not technically one of the sauces. No. That's weird to me because roux is like the sauce. I appreciate that you haven't listened to a word that I've said during the five mother <laughs> no. challenge, but let me use this opportunity. Now you know to, why I'm not the cook. Let me. <laughs> when I made the first espanol sauce, which we made for the chicken pot pie, you'll remember. I love chicken pot pie. When are you making chicken pot pie again? You have a roux. Let's talk about gumbo. You have a roux. <laughs> when are you making gumbo again? I love gumbo. Well, now that I've done it once, the seal yes. is broken. Yes. And yes. we'll talk about if it came out the exact way That's that I wanted That's what that drum to. my mom sent home was for. Okay. So you start with your roux. Your roux is a fat and flour, usually butter. This is when I tune out. But for gumbo, <laughs> it's oil. I used oil and flour. And then you whisk it together. You keep whisking it. You keep whisking it. And here's where the darkness comes from, the length of time that you cook it. Oh. And you've got to continue whisking it or else it could potentially burn. Now, for the chicken pot pie, I might have whisked it for two, three to five minutes. I was just mixing it together and then I add my broth and that's your basic sauce that you add too. So is roux more of like a cooking style? No, roux is the blending of fat and flour oh. to make a sauce. Oh, okay. Okay. Now I understand. But I cooked this roux for 40 
five minutes, constantly whisking it, and it got it to that dark color, which is already probably up on our social media, the photos that we took of the uh-huh. gumbo Yeah, experience. I saw you having a chit-chat with a, f- a fan, I think, about A bunch about of people okra. About, yeah. about gumbo, gumbo and how to make it. And what I didn't have in the house and why your mom sent that drum home was any seafood at all. So I did have to make a quick rush out to the store to buy shrimp. Uh-huh. Oysters uh-huh. and a cut of drum, a, a small uh-huh. fillet of and drum. And you added sausage. Add. Yeah. And we already had sausage in the freezer. Okay. I will tell you, I require oysters and gumbo. Well, you got your desire, I don't know why, so. but I, I... I met your requirement. You have to have oysters in your gumbo. You have to have okra in your gumbo. Yes. Now, the rest of it is up to you. Sausage, chicken, drum, or a bit, whitefish, I did not have shrimp. chicken. I did not have chicken cooked. Yeah. Or I would have added chicken, but I wasn't going to add that step. So that's why I added the fish. Well, you had already added so many steps. It was so delicious. And you put squash in it even. I did. (laughs) We had some extra vegetables. Plenty of squash. I looked at that (laughs) okra that you had and it was a huge bowl of okra. Then I began in my mind putting together what's the okra to gumbo ratio. And I made the gumbo. I served it to you. And we love gumbo. We've got high expectations for gumbo. Actually, we talked last week about creating a fresh fish dish in competition with what we had eaten at our local seafood restaurant. Can we do it better than the most popular seafood place in town? You cannot do gumbo better than that same seafood restaurant. I'm well, sorry. I You're not there yet. I didn't do it the other night. <laughs> I'm I, not sure you'll ever be able to do it. This is what I've told people. They have perfected On a that. one to 10 scale of gumbo, I give that first gumbo that I ever made a five. It was very good. But in the first time you ever made gumbo on a 1 to 10, I give it a 7 or an 8. You did a good job for your first time. Now, you only get a first time one time. So I'll (laughs) never be on that scale again, but I'm going to move that 5 up to an 11 with the drum that your mom sent home. Yes. And I will tell you that I honestly think that you shouldn't cook the seafood and the okra before you make it. Because the, the, recipe the shrimp that I found, was overcooked. The shrimp was overcooked? Yes. Okay. The, the, the recipe that I found said to cook everything and then just add it together and let it melange for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. But you're saying brew, broth, raw vegetables, raw seafood. I can't put the raw fish in there. It's going to take too long to cook. That's going to cook down and out. We got to tweak. We got to play yeah. with the recipe. But my main complaint the first night was there just wasn't enough okra in it. I mean, yeah. like that is my one of my favorite things about gumbo is that you eat whole You're giant using chunks okra, of sure. okra. That's so delicious. So it's time for leftovers on night two. I prepared even more okra to add to the gumbo leftovers so that you and could you, have the okra experience that you so desire. Yeah, and you pre-cooked the okra. I followed the instructions of the recipe. So you want all that in raw. Yes, because by the time you brought it to me, when you brought it to me, it was just a big slimy bowl of brown with seafood in it. And I don't eat the rice. A big bowl of slimy brown with the seafood in it. Yeah. And then like a few okra seeds floating around in it. So you had cooked the okra too much for it to be then put into a pot and cooked some Well, that's why I give myself a five. I've got plenty of room to go up from there. Yeah. We overcook okra anyway, just in general. We like, Americans do Yes. Yeah. I mean, this is the way you should eat okra. Raw and small or fried or pickled. Or in gumbo. Or in gumbo. When we did the leftovers for the gumbo, we added something else that you brought. Some dried mushrooms. Because one of the things that has come out of the Dagon Produce Basket is there's a local mushroom grower here in our area. So my mom had taken some of the mushrooms she'd gotten and dried them. Well, she wasn't using them because she said that she doesn't put mushrooms in hardly anything. I I like mushrooms in pretty much everything. I eat mushrooms in anything. So you handed me this jar of dried mushrooms. I mean, even like some strawberry tart dessert with some mushrooms in it sounds delicious to me. 
you handed me that jar of dried mushrooms and said, put a few of these in the gumbo. Yeah. And I said, okay, I'm going to go Google that. And you literally... <clears throat> I know. I was like, uh, why does everything have to be so complicated? I'm so glad I Googled it and you were so wrong to prevent me. I'm so to wrong. try to prevent me from Googling it because dried <laughs> mushrooms, it turns out, Aislinn, are a key ingredient in good chef kitchens. Many people say that dried mushrooms, when reconstituted in water, and that's the step that I needed to Google. I'm glad that I did. Instead of putting hard chunks of dried mushroom into the gumbo that might not have yeah. softened, yeah. you just simply take your dried mushrooms that you want to use and you put them in water. Mm-hmm. Just cold water or hot water? Or Some people say water? boiling water. Some people say room temperature water. I used room temperature water, set a timer for 20 minutes. Uh-huh. And they were softened and ready to use. But many people say that whenever you reconstitute the dried mushrooms, you get a deeper, more pure mushroom flavor than if you just use them raw. And mm. the dried mushrooms means you don't have to go to the grocery store to buy a few mushrooms. You've got them dried and ready to go anytime so you that you want to use in. them. Yeah, that's fantastic. Then the water that you pull the mushrooms out of becomes a mushroom broth that you can save and pour into things just for a little depth of flavor here and there nice. i'm so glad that you brought those dried mushrooms home and we can begin using them around the house because i love mushrooms a part of um, the new transition in my life with starting my own garden consulting business has been participating more in the family homestead on our own farm they've been out there for a decade and they have been putting their time and energy and investing and building and growing plants. And I have done it on and off each year. I put a little bit of this in, a little bit of that in. But now we are really moving into that phase that I think was the real intentions of that piece of property from the very, very beginning when we first, as a family, decided this is something we need to do together and create a homestead out here. And so... We've been growing more produce. My dad and I have been really growing a lot more vegetables. What my dad does is my dad helps me by uh, running the machines, the tractor, the lawnmower if he needs it, moving materials around, mulch, and then building the structures that I need for different types of growing elements. For that matter, building the structures onto the farm so that we can do different types of preserving, saving foods, just really making it a, a, a true homestead. And so he's spending a lot of time working on that. I go out and work on the garden. I go out and harvest food. I go out and plant plants. So just all these little projects that he's helping me get ready so that I can get the materials that I need. Summer harvest coming in. Right. Another bucket of figs. Another huge bucket of okra. Some more cucumbers. Lay it on, lay it on, lay it on. We're just bringing in more. And now here's a watermelon. Now here's a, some more squash. And my mom... I could tell she was feeling like overwhelmed about getting all this stuff preserved. Well, if I'm going to spend the time harvesting it, growing it, harvesting it, then I want to make sure that it's getting to the table. You know, oh, I want to yeah. make sure that it's not just getting grown so that it can be thrown out to the compost, to right. the pigs or the chickens, mm -hmm. right? I mean, as much of it as possible. There are friends that will eat this if we don't. There are mm -hmm. customers that might eat this if we don't. Exactly. And, you know, if we're not going to use all those figs, let's make some. What all does your mom make with them? So I told her yesterday, I said, hey, I'm going to come back tomorrow and I'm not coming out to garden or harvest. I'm not coming out to work with dad. I'm coming out to work with you on your part of the project. And her part of the project is the preser the kitchen preserving. Work, yeah. Yeah, and, and drying the, the mushrooms mm -hmm. and preserving the figs and preserving the pears, you know, pickling the cucumbers and pickling the okra and just pickling the peppers, all of the things. So we spent an entire day yesterday 
working together in the kitchen. My mom and I oh, did. Oh, badass. And oh, it was fantastic. It was perfect. My dad was out still working. He's actually working on building the pavilion into a way that I can teach classes and we can host happy hours and maybe do a small wedding. Uh, I mean, some you know, big whatever. intentions out there. Oh yeah, there's all kinds of cool things going on out there. So he's still working on that project outside. He's coming in and out of the house. Mom and I are pickling and cutting and my mom turned on folk 60s music mm-hmm. which i listened to for a very long time then at one point in the late afternoon i was like hey d- doesn't this music put you to sleep after a while we have puffed the magic dragon and we have oh sweet baby james and we have you know like so you turned it to 90s euro pop no she's not interested in that music we, we just we switched to some classic rock which i'm all like oh let's bring it up to some you know led zeppelin like let's harden it up a little bit you had mentioned my dad if my dad doesn't get offended by the hog leg my dad has gotten out one of the other hog legs that needs to be eaten mm-hmm. that he's gonna smoke the hog leg mm-hmm. <laughs> so clearly he's listened to the podcast right I'm headed outside to smoke a hog leg if anyone wants to come with me I got a big hog leg here to smoke you know ha 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 you know he's just making the jokes and my mom made a comment because we talked about the bickering thing you know oh, like, yeah. and my parents bicker I mean it's just what they do they bicker all day long and my mom said our table topics discussion of them did not force them to begin rethinking the bickering part of their oh, relationship oh they probably think about it but it's just what it is right. you know I mean and I think well, that's what happened their what anniversary? 45th anniversary yeah forget it it's, yeah. it's deep <laughs> it's what it is right exactly I'm over there ordering seeds because of the way we grow. Like most of the country gets all excited because they're in in the wintertime and they're snuggled up next to their fires and placing their seeds, seed orders in January, right? Or sometime around then. We're placing our seed orders all year long. Like basically the way the rest of the country plans their gardens in January that then that that's their garden for the year. Well, ours actually starts in fall and that's our garden for the year. So I'm placing this huge order of seeds from Johnny Seed Company, and I'm just telling you, it was just this delicious chaos of thinking about how we're going to grow on the garden differently than we've been growing in the past. You're taking it from seed to table now. Yeah, absolutely. I ordered a big fat bunch of seeds. I'm probably going to order about another $200 worth of seeds too from Baker Creek Heirloom. And you'll, then I'll you'll be, be ready. And then I'll be ready for the fall. And the other thing is, is that I'm real particular about saving seeds too. So I have seeds already because of the seeds I've saved, but those are good seeds for me to like trade and to give. And then to also keep in mind that if there was some kind of a weirdo situation, because I'm not preparing for the future, I'm only preparing for today. But in the case of a weirdo apocalypse, I want to have my own seeds so that I don't have to purchase $400 worth of seeds in order to get myself growing. So I'm doing a little bit of both. I'm purchasing seeds, I'm saving seeds, I'm sharing seeds, and I'm growing lots and lots of good stuff. So between your brother and my son, we're good on fish. We're good on meat. Yeah. I stopped by my best friend's house, Jessica. She had said, I saw the hour pickling okra. That is one of my favorite things. I would like some. Can I buy it from you? Whatever. I was like, no, you can't buy it from me. So I show up at her house with pickled okra, Mm. a quart jar of those delicious pears, some fig preserves, and she comes out with some meat. Backstrap venison, mm. breakfast sausage that they've made with wild mm. hog, and something else. I don't even know what else it is. But yeah, you're absolutely right. I can get, I have, it's I have part, plenty it's, of places to get meat from. It's part of our lifestyle. I wonder if there's a lesson for listeners to learn here. What is it that you're producing? You're producing something. 
You know, and I think that during a time where we're potentially going, we're potentially about to go through a, a huge economic whatever. I'm not going to forecast it, but who knows? Right. But it's the idea that you create your own economy by being productive in the way that you are most productive, whatever that is, is important. That was such an important thing to me as I began to create my values as, a, as an adult. I remember thinking, what do I produce of value? Not what do I do to earn a paycheck, necessarily. What do I produce of value? I'm with you. And back then, when I would think of like creative or whatever, it's like, oh, well, I, I draw art, and so I have art to sell. Or I can produce websites, so I sell... You know, or I, I've, whatever. I've learned how to play the guitar over the years and I and could, I I could eventually, I to... could gig or right. I could teach. Exactly. People are growing food and people are placing value on things like their health and the outdoor adventures. Boosting and, their immune system perhaps. Yeah. And I, I want to buy all the equipment I need to go fishing and all of the different things to produce Corona. as opposed to going and buying the next set of fantastic heels and purse and fancy dress because there's nowhere for you to go right now. You're finding out who in your neighborhood are the people that have produce food or produce something of value that you can trade with them. You got extra time, so you pick up that hobby that you've always intended on doing or set aside for a decade or longer. Like fishing. <laughs> Isn't that cool? What are you doing? Editing podcasts. Hmm. Is that contributing to the health of Joe Hilliard? Creative health, yeah. Good. But we need one of those treadmill desks where you can no. walk while you're I think you need to, it's the in-between times. You're probably right. Backyard TV. This week in the return of Backyard TV, merging the chicken flocks. We took a break from Backyard TV. There was a lot of Backyard TV. Don't worry. You know that we got new chickens. Mm -hmm. You also know that we put them in with the other flock of older chickens, but separated them because two different flocks of chickens will typically not get along with one another. Yeah, so we were trying to get the young ladies up to what I call fighting weight. It has been some of the best backyard TV that we have ever had when we removed all of the barriers and just let the chickens work it out. Yes. Because it is true. Those older chickens are trying to beat the crap out of the younger chickens to put them in their place. Mm-hmm. Especially one of them, Gizmo, she will get on the back of one of these chickens that's now about three quarters her size and just peck the back and try to pull feathers out. And that's, like just... a, that's like rooster behavior, by the way. Of course. Yeah, that's uh -huh. establishing dominance. That's uh -huh. the way that chickens establish dominance. They, will, they have separated into flocks. If one adult is over here, the rest of the young ones will move over, away, get out of their way. The older chickens kind of strut their stuff like, yeah, we're the queen bees of this place. The younger mm -hmm. chickens are trying to figure out their place in the whole thing. It got me thinking about bullying and uh -huh. human behavior, because it is the chicken version of junior high. I don't think our human consciousness is as evolved as we think it is. I think it's across the main... Across the board, across the mainstream consciousness, I don't think it's as evolved as we think it is. I think it's the main reason why zoos or zoological study is so important, because there are aspects of chickens and how chickens behave without going to school, without... Mm -hmm parents in a nuclear family mm -hmm. they have learned without instruction it is built into their dna to create a pecking order to have people that are more powerful and less powerful because that in and of itself 
is a function of at least chicken society. Mm-hmm. The only reason we separate ourselves from animal is because we believe we have a higher consciousness. I believe we do have a higher consciousness. Okay, sure, fine. The only thing that I we don't have believe a that makes us con- necessarily superior in the world. Well, we the have only our reason place why we have a higher consciousness is because we try to prevent harm and death from other human beings. And we have a higher le- level of language and communicative abilities and opposable thumbs we and know, other that, things. That, that's, that... Not, that's not a proven fact. Just because we can talk with words. It has everything to do with death, life and death. Those chickens are not sad when one of their... They're, they're over there like looking at it going, oh, that's, oh, that's, that's dead. dinner in a couple of hours. That's dead. That thing is dead. Now, dogs are a little bit more conscious because dogs go, oh, I miss my friend. But I don't even know what that means. That's the only difference between humans and animals, okay, so is our we, understanding of life and death. So if we want to bring humans down to a chicken level, bully behavior and flock battle behavior, flocks in this situation might be a binary argument that you're oh, having. Oh, teams. Democrats versus Republicans <laughs> or Cowboys versus the 49ers, whatever. Yeah. That comes from a natural place that may be outside, not of our control, because if we do have higher consciousness, we can change the way we think. But at yeah. the youth level, uninstructed, unsupervised by adults, that bullying is bound to happen because it is built inside of us to establish dominance. Yep. And my backyard TV taught me that. Oh, yeah. That was way, way back when we were watching the doves fight over seeds that you were putting out there. And we used to talk about the, the bully doves, the bully dove, the one dove that would flap around and spend all of its energy chasing the other birds off from eating the seed rather than not just, eating any seed at all while they do that. Right. Rather than just eating as much seed as it wants to eat as fast as it can eat that it I, would be spend its time trying I would to rather keep not other eat, people. I would rather not eat and protect the seeds that's being eaten behind me while I'm protecting it than just to chill and let everyone have a, the same piece yeah. of the pie. There's plenty of pie for everyone. I'm so glad that we did Backyard TV again. I bet that we don't do it next week. Table topics. You want to do it now? Yes. Okay. Do you have a category that you'd like to do? I like the love and marriage one. Okay. What pets would we like to own? Uh, chickens. <laughs> Check. A little tiny poodle. Okay. Some feral outdoor cats. We're working on that. And then when we get out to the farm? Boundless. Endless. Yes. Infinity. Yes. Okay. When we get out to the farm... Yeah. You're more invested in the care of the animals that we're talking about. What kinds of things would you like to see? Sheep, pigs, cows, turkeys. Turkeys are filthy. Oh, you don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> okay. I raised all the turkeys. What's your experience with raising a turkey? Some things you just innately know through research, observation, and common sense. You are 100% wrong. About Knowing things without experiencing them through observation, experience, and common sense. If you just said out loud, turkeys are so gross. I didn't say gross. I said they're filthy. If you just said out loud, turkeys are so filthy, and you raise chickens in your backyard, mm-hmm. then you don't know any common sense you know related to part, this you know particular subject. You know what the best thing subject. about this podcast is? I can come back to this conversation <laughs> and play for you how I was right. And you were wrong when said turkeys are in our... Do you know how many years I've raised turkeys? Uh, no. Many. Okay. Many, many. Okay. They do, are no, no dirtier than Do people than know more about turkeys than you do? Uh, maybe a turkey farmer. Unanswer question. You're going to go to a homesteading turkey farmer. We're in a huge turkey hole right now. Yeah, because... <laughs> it's just turkey do. <laughs>
You're wrong about turkeys, by the way. They're no dirtier than chickens. I've also learned that in our relationship, when you've gotten to this kind of draw a line in the sand, I'm 100% correct that the conversation can just be over because there's absolutely no forward movement because you know everything and are always right. I know more about turkeys than you do. Who's arguing? We are getting longhorns out there. They've already been purchased. Oh, that's great. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I am looking forward then to having a uh, Dr. Doolittle kind of situation out at the farm someday. That'll be fun. I'm going to just go with your answer on this one. So what you're saying is you're going to go with Wifey Farmer's decision on what farm animals we're going to have, whether we're talking about our urban homestead or our actual homestead on the farm. I'm going to amend a uh, classic phrase that most men in loving relationships need to know and take to heart, and that's happy wifey, happy lifey. Here comes Pamela's boobs. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Dinner Table Talks. We will be back next Monday with a fresh episode. In the meantime, hit us up on social media, send us an email, DM us, whatever. We want to hear from you. And we hope that you're enjoying the episodes as much as we enjoy creating them for you.